Hello and welcome to Unbreak Your Health, the podcast program about the world of hope and health known as complementary and alternative medicine. I'm Alan Smith in Plano, Texas, author of How to Unbreak Your Health, and today our topic is yoga, specifically Iyengar yoga, and our guest is Dr. Rajvi Mehta, editor of Yoga Rahasa, the quarterly journal of the Iyengar Yoga Institute. He's also a teacher at the Institute in Mumbai, India, and a student of Iyengar yoga for 30 years. Dr. Mehta, how long has yoga been around? It is said that yoga has been in existence since the time of creation. Bhagavad Gita, the ancient Indian scripture of India, refers a lot to yoga, and it is said to have been written about four to 5,000 years ago. However, the first text solely devoted to yoga has been the Patanjali Yoga Sutras, and it is believed that Patanjali existed around 4th to 3rd century BC. So yoga has been around for a very long time. What does the word yoga mean? Yoga is derived from the word yuj, which means union. So yoga means the union of the individual self with the spiritual self. It is the union of the body with the mind, with the consciousness, and ultimately the union of the body, the mind, and consciousness with the self. So that is the meaning of yoga. What is pranayama or breathing practice? Pranayama is the fourth aspect of Ashtanga Yoga or the eight aspects of yoga. Prana is the life force or energy and yama is to regulate, modulate. So pranayama is the regulation or modulation of the cosmic energy of the life force. For more simplistic understanding, we relate prana with the breath. There is possibly no equivalent word for prana in the English language. So we often associate prana with the breath, but the prana is something much more than the breath. For example, if a person is in a comatose state, is in a state of coma, we say that he is breathing, but he is not really having life, he is not living. Similarly, so to have life is to be having something much more than merely breathing. And therefore, we need to first get it clear that prana is something much more than the breath. It encompasses the process of breathing. There are different practices of pranayama. Pranayama is something like a springboard to spiritual practices. There are different ways of doing pranayama, but before we start doing pranayama, we need to have firm base in the practice of asanas or the third aspect of yoga, which is modulating the body into different body positions. By doing that, one gets firmness in the spine and the physical strength to practice pranayama. The pranayama helps us to accumulate energy within our system, which by the practice of asanas can be distributed to the most extreme corners of our body. So this is a very, very brief understanding of what pranayama is. You cannot demarcate these eight aspects of yoga. You cannot consider them to be as steps of a ladder, where you can complete yama, niyama and go to asana, or complete asana and go to pranayama, all very closely integrated. For example, Shavasana is an asana where all the senses come to a standstill. Therefore, there is Pratyahara or the involutions of the senses in the asana of Shavasana. We don't really do asanas. So, this is just an example to show that all these eight limbs are closely integrated. Of these, Yama and Niyama are practices which we teach children through stories, through historical and mythological tales. Asana and pranayama are the only two things we can actually be taught. 
you can ask a person to mold a body in a particular manner to, to come to a particular position of the body. Along with coming to a particular position of the body, there is an alteration in the breath, in the mental structure, in the emotional well-being of the individual. Pranayama also can be taught to a certain extent, but it is all about experiences. The state of Pratyahara can actually happen in the practice of asana and pranayama. Dharana and dhyana are experiential states. They can never be taught. It is something that you experience. And therefore, these are the eight states. And therefore, you only primarily hear about asana and pranayama because these can be taught. The practice of asana and pranayama lead to certain experiences which in turn can lead to the experiential state of dharana and dhyana. Is Iyengar yoga beneficial for the mind as well as the body? First of all, we cannot demarcate the body from the mind. The mind and the body are in close contact with each other. Supposing you have a stomachache, you will not be able to function optimally. Even if the kind of work you are doing does not involve physical activity, you may be sitting at a desk and writing or thinking, you will not be able to think clearly. So you cannot say that my stomach is aching but my intelligence is fine. The intelligence too gets affected. On the other hand, if you are mentally disturbed, it also reflects in your body. If you are emotionally disturbed, it also reflects in the body. For a person who is depressed, he has specific expressions on the body. For a person who is anxious, you have the English term butterflies in the stomach. It clearly indicates that the breathing is hard, breathing is fast. And again, there is a specific positioning of the body. So the breath, the body and the mind cannot really be segregated. And therefore, the practice of Ayurveda Yoga benefits the body, the mind, the emotions and the intelligence of the person. BKS Iyengar wasn't a healthy child, was he? BKS Iyengar was born in the year 1918 during the world influenza epidemic. His mother suffered with influenza during her pregnancy. He was not born a healthy child. Subsequently, in his childhood, he suffered from bouts of tuberculosis, malaria, typhoid, and influenza. And mind you, this was in the era when the antibiotics were not yet discovered. So he was a very sick child. The doctors at that point of time had not expected him to live very long because of his bad lungs afflicted by tuberculosis. This was in his early teens. Hasn't he taught the highest forms of yoga? Yoga, as I said, is union. It is integration. You start with the skeletomuscular body and then you move inwards towards the core of the being. But there are eight aspects to yoga. Yama, Niyama, Asana, Pranayam, Pratyahara, Dharana, Dhyana and Samadhi. And we consider that there are various caves. V.K. Sainger says there are caves in the body. Starting with the external caves, which is the skeletomuscular or what we call as the Annamaya Kosha. Then becomes the Pranamaya Kosha or the energy body. Then comes the Manomaya Kosha or the mental body. Vignanamaya Kosha or the intellectual body. And the innermost is the core of the being. And by the practice of yoga, one gets penetrated. And that depends on the level and the quality of your practice. The extent of penetration that one can get in inner penetration will depend on the level of your practice. Can people with health problems like obesity or disabilities use this form of yoga? One of our ancient Indian texts says 
that the young, the old, the aged and the diseased all can do yoga and benefit from its practice. So people with any kind of health problems can do yoga. As Sri Prashant Ayengar, Yogacharya B.K. Ayengar's son once mentioned, yoga helps you to cure what need not be endured and endure what cannot be cured. So yoga is meant for one and all. Doesn't Iyengar Yoga also use belts and chairs in order to work with those with special needs and injuries? In the practice of yoga, in the tradition or the style of Yogacharya B.K. Sangar, we use many props or supports. These include belts, chairs, blankets, pillows, some specially designed wooden props, and often even household items like tables and even the wall as a support. It is mainly meant for people with special needs. For example, there was a person whose arms were amputated and therefore he was unable to do Shrishasana. That is when Guruji Iyengar used the support of Shir would help him get the benefit or the effect of Shrishasana without actually using it in his arms. Very often our body parts are not strong enough or are not sensitive enough then the use of these props helps us to attain sensitivity. This is very unique to this form of yoga. However, as Guruji Iyengar has said, the mention about supports is there in the ancient text where one of the earliest commentators on yoga had mentioned about the use of supports. If you're enjoying this free podcast, then you're going to love my book. The second edition of How to Unbreak Your Health is your map to the world of complementary and alternative therapies, featuring 339 new and updated listings in 150 different categories. Paperback, hardcover, and ebook editions are available on Amazon.com or from your local bookstore. Do you know if yoga is becoming more accepted in Western medicine today? Yes, yoga is becoming more and more acceptable in Western medicine. People are now looking for something different from what is conventional allopathic medicine. And yoga is now being accepted as a modality of treatment or alleviating disease using the various asanas and pranayama. More and more research is being carried out in various Western universities and hospitals, especially on Iyengar Yoga. And this has been published in peer-reviewed medical journals. Once the data does show that the practitioners of Iyengar Yoga are benefiting from its practice, it is now getting more and more into mainstream medicine. Hasn't BKS Iyengar been researching ancient texts to develop his unique form of yoga? BKS Iyengar is not researching the ancient texts, but he corroborates his experience with the ancient Indian texts. As I mentioned earlier, he started learning yoga from his brother-in-law to overcome his ill health. Over the years of his practice, he saw certain transformations coming into his personality. Not only did he gain health of the physical body and the physiological body, health of the mind, health of the intelligence and health of the consciousness. With this, he started getting certain experiences and he corroborated his experiences with various ancient texts such as the Patanjali's Yoga Sutras and the Bhagavad Gita. And therefore, he, his findings are corroborated by the ancient texts. 
His modality of study, I would say, is slightly different from conventional studies. In most cases, we study the theory first, and then with the base ground, base or ground knowledge about the theory, you go to do the or perform the practicals. What he did is he studied the practicals first and corroborated his experience with the theoretical knowledge. And this is how he has evolved from starting practice for the physical body to leading the practice to much higher aspects of yoga. How has Iyengar yoga grown over the years, especially here in America? It has grown exponentially. When he first went there in the 1970s, there were very few people interested in yoga. Then in 1984 was held the first Iyengar Yoga National Convention. And from 84 onwards to now, it has just grown to an extent which is unbelievable. A few days ago, there was a report in the paper saying that there are 20 million yoga practitioners in the U.S. alone. Iyengar Yoga has spread to all the continents. It's equally uh, popular in the Western countries, in South America, in the Eastern countries, in the Southeast Asian countries, and now even China. Just last week, he conducted a workshop or a convention in China, which was attended by nearly 1,300 people. It is also practiced over different geographical regions, over different religious people having different religious preferences. So, Iyengar Yoga is growing exponentially all across the globe. However, there are many countries where people claim to be teaching Iyengar Yoga, but as per the records that we have, people who have been formally trained to teach his system exist in about 68 to 69 countries. Is his family involved with Iyengar Yoga? His entire family practices yoga. His son, Prashanta Iyengar, and his daughter, Gita Iyengar, have been teachers of yoga in their own right since the past 40 years or more. His other daughter, Sunita Iyengar, is also teaching yoga in the outskirts of Pune. His granddaughter, Abhijata Sridhar, who is in her 20s, has also taken seriously to yoga and she's also been trained by him. So his family is involved with the yoga. BKS Iyengar has written several books, hasn't he? Yes, BKS Iyengar has written nearly 20 books. His Light on Yoga, first written in 1964, is considered the Bible of yoga and has been translated into 19 languages. Subsequently came the Light on Pranayama, then the Tree of Yoga, Light on Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, Light on Ashtanga Yoga, eight volumes of Ashtadala Yoga Mala, which is a compilation of the talks and question answers that he's given over the years. Then there is a pictorial book, B.K. Sanger, Part to Holistic Health, and his latest work, Yogi Kamanas. He's still writing several books so that all the knowledge that he has acquired will be of use to the generations to come. Has he had any famous students over the years? He has had very, very famous students across the years. Although he personally does not demarcate the students. So therefore in his class there could be somebody who could just be a cab driver to the CEO of a company or an intellectual. In his early days he has taught such celebrities as the philosopher J. Krishnamurti. He is one of his greatest proponent of his system. One who has played a great role in yoga entering the western world has been the violin maestro Lord Yehudi Menuhin. Through Yahudi Menuhin, he has taught many of the celebrities of the music world of the West. He has taught the Queen Mother of Belgium. In India, he has taught various people, various political personalities, to sports personalities, 
to musicians, to actors, actresses, along with the CEOs or owners of uh, large multinational companies to industrialists. So he has taught people over a wide range of socio-economic and artistic backgrounds. Does he still practice yoga today, even though he's 93 years old? Yes, he practices every day. He is 93, but he practices asanas and pranayam for about 3 to 4 hours a day on the minimum. As he has often said, he will continue practicing yoga till his last breath. Dr. Mehta, thank you for taking the time to talk with me about Iyengar Yoga and BKS Iyengar. Anyone wanting to learn more about Iyengar Yoga should visit www.bksiyengar.com. You've been listening to the podcast edition of Unbreak Your Health, discovering the world of hope and health known as complementary and alternative medicine. I'll be back soon with another edition, but to learn more about our guest today, please visit the podcast page at www.unbreakyourhealth.com. We'd love to hear from you about this program. Please send your questions and comments to info at unbreakyourhealth.com. This program is a joint production of Unbreak Your Health and Loving Healing Press. Thank you for listening. I'm Alan Smith, and I look forward to being with you again soon. 